0: It's the dictionary. It's dictionary. It's dictionary. It's the dictionary. It's the dictionary. It's dictionary. It's the dictionary. It's dictionary. It's
1: Hello, Word Nerds. Welcome to another episode of The Dictionary. Now, let's see. We are on the third episode of The Ease. Uh, Thank you to everybody for uh, dealing with the the three-month break or so that we had since The D's. I appreciate uh, you coming back for The Ease. And uh, as you probably saw in the episode title, we have a fantastic guest with us today. His name is John Schwartz. Also known as Bermuda Schwartz, and I have to admit, it hurts. It hurts my heart to admit that it wasn't until probably just a couple of years ago that I finally got the joke. <laughs> I had I had been hearing the name Bermuda Schwartz for my most of my life, and for some reason, it didn't click as to where this nickname come from. First of all, John, uh, thank you for being here. How are you doing?
0: well i'm fine i i don't i don't know the joke what's the is is, is there is there a gag is it funny i don't know
1: it, al just something. called me he
0: said al said you're gonna be bermuda i said okay
1: whatever sounds good it's a fun it's a fun place it's yeah. a beautiful weather that's that's all there is to it right yeah I, I guess so
0: yeah no i i get it uh i i knew it when he told me uh, yeah bermuda shorts yeah. bermuda shorts yep Fair. it's Very a good, good. one Very good
1: uh, I, you know, may, maybe when I was younger, I caught it, but I have no uh, conscious memory of that. Um, you, you you casually threw in the name Al there. So um, for the people who don't know who uh, John Bermuda Schwartz is, uh, can you tell us a little bit about who you are?
0: Well, I'm certainly best known for playing drums with Weird Al
1: Yankovic forever. Forever. <laughs> not, counting, um, not counting tomorrow. <laughs> right, exactly. Up until now. Up until um, now. I, I will I will get all of my um my praise out right now for you. I'm sure you get it a lot. You've been doing this for decades. I will I will get it out now, and I won't do it ever again for the rest of this episode. I can't promise after the, this episode, but John Bermuda Schwartz, you have been there since the beginning. If people don't know, um, f- as far as I understand it, please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, Al was on the Dr. Demento... Uh, me and him are, of course, on a first-name basis. Oh, yeah. uh, Al was on the, the Dr. Demento show getting ready to play Another One Rides the Bus, and he needed somebody to give him a bit of a rhythm section. And you were there, I believe, ready to perform another song, and he had his accordion case, and Bermuda Schwartz jumps in, or maybe he was just John Schwartz at the time, jumps in and plays drums on the case. And that moment, I think solidified it it created history and myself i speak for the entire comedy music fan world when we say thank you for that thank you for providing us with such entertainment and amazing musicianship throughout all these decades and We're not in person, but we're sort of (laughs) face-to-face through this weird camera internet thing. Uh, Thank you for that. And, um, you know, I think the effect that you and the entire band have had on the world is unknowable. We will never fully understand the the ripples that that effect has had throughout history. So thank you for that. Oh, uh, well, you're welcome. Uh, All very kind words and all very true as well. (laughs) Exactly. Um, I guess you know, what what was that situation like? You know, we, we don't have to d- spend too much time on this, but and you've probably said it many times, but you know that, that first day, uh, had you known Al beforehand, uh, what, what was that like? Well, I,
0: I certainly knew who he was. I was a big fan of the Doctor. Demento show. I had sent in some recordings, some homemade recordings back in the 70s. Uh, one one of the first people to have done that as it turns out mm. and uh i i wangled an interview with myself with dr demento uh, on his uh a live show on sunday nights here in la and uh al was there that night weird al was there and so I got to meet him uh you know and i, I did an interview and it's interesting listening back the interview was pretty i, I don't know if I had stage fright or or you know mm. it was trying to be too matter of fact but you know it was very kind of pedestrian and Uh, you know, very sort of matter of fact. But at any rate, Al was going to debut a new song he had just written that weekend, in fact, and he was going to play it live on the air. And he asked if I would beat on his accordion case. I mean, there weren't really, other than the accordion he had with him, there weren't really instruments to speak of. So uh, he wanted me to do that. And I said, oh, you know, sounds like fun. Sure. Why not? And uh, we did it and why not live over the air. And uh, uh, the doctor had recorded it as well. Now he did he ran a, a cassette recording of his whole show just to have sort of a record of it. But he actually rolled like quarter inch tape on that one. So there is a proper recording uh, of that song and uh, of the performance, I should say. And afterwards I said, uh, you know, that, Al, it was a lot of fun. You know, you should have a band. I'll be your drummer. And he says, oh, okay. You know, not, not having any idea either of us, you know, what that meant for the future. But that was the beginning. I met him and, and worked with him for the first time. You know, that night, it was September 14th, 1980. Uh, so 43 years ago now. And uh, that was uh, that was it. You know, neither of us knew what the future held. And, uh, you know, we still don't. I mean, the fact that it's gone on as long as it has. And, and in fact, Al has perhaps become more successful uh, over time. You know, the, the, his career yeah. has just grown and grown and grown and, and branched out. And he's done other things. He's very well respected. And still a lot of fun. We go out, we, we sell out shows on tour. Uh, we traveled the world performing. I mean, it's it's been great. You know, there aren't very many uh, performers, you know, bands that go out and, and have a 40 plus year career with the same band members, I should add, you know, and are still successful at it. You know, and, and uh, we haven't put out an album in a few years, but the last album we put out was a number one album. You know, it's very, 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 very few bands do that. You know, U2,
1: perhaps. Um, yeah. That's it. You too. <laughs> it. How, how long until uh, you and the band are in the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Well, that's a whole
0: other thing. I, I don't know. You know, that and that would be, I mean, technically Al is the artist. So it would be Al, not, you know, not Al as a band or anything. Uh, we would probably all go there and accompany him. But uh, I, I don't know. That's that's hard to say. You know, I mean, yeah. uh, one step at a time. I mean, in, in 2018 or 19 or whatever it was, he got a star on uh, Hollywood Boulevard. And mm-hmm. uh, right across from uh, the Chinese theater, you know, where there's all the actors and actresses' footprints and handprints in the cement. Uh, very, very cool. You know,
1: so one one thing at a time. Totally. Um, I, I If I were in your position, I would hate this next statement that I'm going to say. But September 14th, 1980 was 11 days after I was born september 3rd 1980 um so you know i think there was a lot of really good stuff going on energetically in the world at that time was that was that performance the one if i remember correctly that got on the what's called the placebo ep or am i thinking of a different one no
0: that that ended up being the single uh tk mm-hmm. records put that out i think it was the last thing they put out in early 1981 <laughs> before they went out of business uh but it was uh, and then that ended up on the first album and uh, that was that recording, and un- unembellished. I mean, you can't. You know, it was it was live. It was what it was, and and that was that. You know, that that was the thing. That was the one.
1: Yeah, I uh, I'm not a, a big collector, not like uh, our friends Dave and Ethan, but. I did uh, after I think after they were talking about the placebo EP, I did go ahead and find a copy on Discogs, and I so I did buy one. So I now am the proud owner of not very many copies of this placebo EP forty-five.
0: Now there's there were only a thousand of those made, and uh, I don't know how many Al is still sitting on. Probably not very many. Uh, I think yeah. most of them most of them sold. Most of them are out there, and uh, you know I mean more than certainly more than nine hundred of them are out there. And, uh, you know, they're in the hands of collectors. And if they're not, they should be. Uh, you know, they I hope nobody be, yeah. got tired of that and threw it out because it was certainly, uh, you know, uh, those, those go for a lot of money.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I, I I'm sure that it had happened at some point, but yeah, hopefully not too many of them. Um, we we should probably talk a little bit also about just other things you do. You you are a drummer. You are a performer. Uh, you don't only perform with Weird Al Yankovic. Uh, what else uh, What else do you do? Well, I have other bands here in
0: town that I play with. Uh, a couple of them fairly long term. I met uh, one guy I've been working with since 1981, and that's Rip Masters. And Rip does uh, what's what's known now as Americana, but basically rockabilly and country and and some blues and. And we uh, have recorded several CDs with him and there's uh, information on him at ripmasters.com. And uh, I've, I've been working with a band called idle hands for about 20 years. And uh, in fact, I played with them last night. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. a blues rock band with uh, uh, some originals and some, you know, kind of uh, well-known and some obscure blues and rock covers. I've uh, been playing with another band called zero G band And we do strictly cover songs, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. And and I've been working with them about a dozen years. And uh, I I sub with a couple of other bands as well. One is Crown City Bombers, which is a great uh, kind of a swing blues band with a a gal up front singing uh, uh, rock and rockabilly and country and western and some blues and some standards. And uh, enjoy working with them a lot when I can. And then there's a split-off group from that called the Dynaflows, Flows. And uh, same deal, but with four male singers up front. And, uh, again, the kind of rockabilly and country and western, old rock and roll, stuff like that. Some originals. And uh, so, basically, you know, I'm involved with these other five bands, you know, in addition to Al. And uh, they're all very good about, uh, you know, they have plenty of notice when I'm going to go on the road. And they all get a sub, you know, to sit in for me. Sometimes I recommend the sub. Uh, sometimes it's better if they find them on their own. and when I come back to town, I come back into the band. I mean that's kind of that's been the understanding. nobody has ever said, you know we're we're tired of you coming and going you know it's time we got to have a permanent drummer. it's they all like having me which and I enjoy that too and I appreciate their loyalty and they they appreciate my loyalty you know I could I could certainly say oh, i i'm I'm a big star I work with this al guy all over the world and you know I don't have to play with you in some club for in front of 80 people. Uh, no, I just, I enjoy playing drums. So any chance I get, and that's why I do that. And I've always been in, in more than a few bands, uh, Al always takes precedence, of course. Uh, but, and, and everyone all, they all understand that. And, uh, it's a very good relationship I have with everyone and I'm I'm very grateful for that.
1: Yeah. That, it sounds like an amazing situation that you got there and it allows you to play. I mean, you play every single style with Al. But when you can play with other bands as well, you know, is there is there any style that you don't like particularly or don't feel as comfortable with?
0: Well, there's a couple of things that I'm not very, you know, and I can I can fake them. But jazz is one of them. And, yeah. you know, I can there's there's certain things that, are, that kind of a rock drummer does to play jazz. And and that's the kind of stuff I do. I mean, I don't uh, I'm not very steeped in, in, you know, jazz phrasing or, or any of that stuff. And, you know, I, I don't know if it's, you know, there's there's a lot of technical stuff going on in jazz, you know, even though it's supposed to be so free form and not structured. And I, there's there's a lot to there's a lot to it. You can't fake your way through it. Uh, I've done it a few times and done OK, but I would rather not. I normally, you know, if I've ever asked for a jazz gig, which has been twice in my life, uh, I, I didn't turn down the first one and I should have. And I tried to turn down the second one and the guy wouldn't let me. <laughs> and, and i'll throw
1: I, more money at you
0: yeah no he, he's he's he says no it's you know it's okay you know you could do it it's not it's not as jazzy as you think it is i said i know what you do i'm a big fan of your your work and your drummer and i don't do what he does and he says no no it'll be okay i want you to do it i said okay you know i don't say i didn't warn you and we did it and it, it, it turned out pretty good and at the end he says you know you're not as terrible as you told me you were going to be uh, so <laughs> that that worked out okay so so you know really i shouldn't be playing jazz and i'm not really a latin drummer uh that's you know again that's uh, i wasn't raised on latin music so i mean i just don't i don't think that way and uh and i you know and there's some of the bands we do i mean you have to do la bamba you know as a classic you know latin type song and that's really uh you know very straight ahead i mean that's not hard latin stuff at all you know and i can certainly do that or i can play very by the book beats like you know, a cha-cha or a bossa nova and it's, you know, but, but just very basic, like playing a very basic rock beat will get you so far, but it doesn't work all the time, you know? So I, I would not ever go out and try and do a Latin gig. I mean, I would sound like a rock <laughs> drummer trying to play Latin and which and, has its know, place, it would, I guess it, it does, but it's not like getting a drummer who knows how to play Latin. So right. Latin and jazz, I, I avoid those. Uh, you know, and I think people know because really, seriously, I've been asked to play a jazz gig twice in my life, and uh, actually, I don't think anyone's ever asked me to play Latin. They know because they've heard yeah. me play La Bamba, so they already know that. So well, you can't even play La Bamba, and, you know. You're not going to play in these other stuff. So word got around. <laughs> yeah, so Latin and jazz uh, are are gotcha. not uh, in in my uh, wheelhouse. Everything else I can play well, or certainly well enough, and. Uh, you know, and, and I enjoy doing that, you know, and, and working with Al and doing all of the different things we've done, a lot of the different styles, That's that's been a lot of fun. And in some cases, I had to really kind of learn stuff, too. I mean, I had to work on things in order to get through it, you know, so he didn't call like a real drummer who could play those things. I mean, he's certainly in a position to call, you know, the, the original drummers on these, you know, the original bands on the parodies, you know, if they're still alive. Uh, you know, he, he could certainly do that and they would probably love to come in and do that. And he could have like an all-star, you know, uh, play, you know, members list on his albums, but there's also something cool about us having done everything. And we always rise to the occasion and, uh, which I'm, I'm very proud of as well. So he's, he's got me to do things I never, you know, would have thought of doing. I mean, he got me, uh, I, I had to learn how to program, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and sequence drums. I had to learn how to, uh, create drum sounds. You know, I became a sound designer. Uh, you know, and uh, because that's just part of creating the drum part, whether I have to play it or whether I have to create it on the computer, you know, and just email it to him. That's, you know, he's got, you know, none of my other bands would have had me do that. You know, the, Al has, has forced me to grow, so which has been really good for me, at least as yeah. far as working with Al it has. It's kept me working with him. If I refused to grow, if I couldn't rise to the occasion, you know, I would certainly not be making the albums with him and, and possibly not be playing with him live. You know, but I'm lucky enough and I work hard enough to do both. And that's same for all the guys uh, in the band.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty amazing situation. You know, you're forced to, you know, do all these things that you might not be used to. Um, but there are a couple of things. And, you know, I, I like this sort of mini interview thing. We will definitely get to the words. But um, there's two other things that I definitely want to talk to you briefly about. You are very good at and that is photography and that is archiving. <laughs> Uh, From what I understand, you are the Weird Al archivist. Uh, You have incredible uh, 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 spreadsheets or or some organizational system. I'm guessing some of those shelves behind you, if you're a patron, you can see. Um, My organized brain really appreciates uh, how amazingly you've done this. Um, So, yeah, what's the archive situation like?
0: Well, I've always just kept stuff and kept records of things and made tapes of things and taken photos of things. Uh, I, I I was doing that when I met Al. I mean, I had been doing that for years already. So that was a natural transition uh, to just keep on doing it with him. Uh, the very first night that I was at the Dr. Demento show, we got a, a little card, like sort of a, a you know a pass, basically, to, to come in, you know, and he signed it, you know, Dr. Demento signed it, you know, oh, here's John Schwartz is going to be on my show on the fourth floor, and, you know, here's his, you know, pass to Metromedia Square was the uh, building where he did a show from on KMET in, in LA. Uh, I've kept that. Uh, no reason, I didn't know there would be a reason to want to look at it again in 10 or 20 or 40 years. I just kept it because that's what I did. Uh, so, and, and everything I wrote down in in a in my yearly, in my calendar, in my date book, I kept all of those date books. So as things happened, they were logged by hand. I eventually did put them into uh, one database, an old DOS database. I converted that to, to uh, Microsoft Access and uh, keep everything in Access. All my sessions, all my, my complete negatives, photo negatives archive, uh, all of the gigs I've done, the videos... That i've done and i haven't just done videos with al i mean i've got a couple of other people i've worked with uh but all of that stuff is are are in databases uh anything that's come through my hands that i've been able to keep i've kept uh props from videos uh programs from venues we played you know they'll, they'll have a list of you know bands and, and things that are happening over the summer and we'll have a page in there i grab one or two or three uh posters from the gigs anything i can get my hands on ends up in the archive and ends up in one of, you know, about 30 boxes of stuff here. Uh, That includes product, all the, the, you know, from around the world, uh, promo product, videos, uh, vinyl CDs, uh, videotapes, uh, karaoke stuff, anything. Uh, You can't archive stream stuff, but I account for those as well. Uh, I have, I maintain a uh, uh, United States discography on al uh which which, uh actually that's hosted at uh there's a guy named jeff morris who is dr Demento's henchman and and he uh has a site and i can't i think i can't think of the exact name of it but i made up a uh i used to do web design so i made up i put the art the uh, discography into a web page and i can only do the u.s discography because it's the only thing i can be reasonably sure that i've got like 99.9% correct, because it's easy to keep track of the US stuff. Stuff that comes out in other countries, we don't always know. Some some things I've discovered 10 or 20 years later that something had come out, you know, and now I have to look on eBay for it. Uh, I've got a couple of collectors out there who keep an eye out for stuff for me to put into the archive. And I've also got a bunch of cool stuff where I've got extras and we do some trading. And uh, there's some people that have built up the archive, uh, you know, that, that really is Al's archive and uh with stuff that i had no idea existed you know cuz there's more people out there looking at stuff than than i'm able to do so it it's it's kind of like for sport as well and i've got about 1700 actual physical things that pertain to al and it and it's not always just stuff that i've played on with al it's stuff that al's done separately as well cuz that's like you know well it's just you know 10% of it is it's easy enough to get that stuff and add that to the archive as well and put it in the discography if, if it's a U.S. release. And uh, I just I enjoy doing that. You know, I enjoy being a, a completionist. And and again, part of it is sport. I mean, I go out and I, I look for stuff. And, and you know, when I can find something that has somehow escaped me for a long time, it's, it's a really good feeling finding it. It's really cool, uh, you know, to track that stuff down. And Al knows, you know, that I've got a lot of just impossible stuff. And uh, he hasn't really seen it. I mean, he hasn't seen what's in here. You know, when I, when I go or die or, or whatever or, or get tired of it, it all goes to him. And then he'll figure out what I've been hoarding all these years. And, uh, so, you know, certainly some of it he's got. Uh, he's yeah. certainly got some things I don't. I got a lot more stuff than he does, though. Uh, Is it
1: safe to say that you have the biggest collection in the world of Al-related things? Prob- probably. Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, that website, I just did a quick look. Uh, is it dmdb.org, the demented that, music database?
0: That sounds right.
1: That sounds right.
0: right. And somewhere in there is the Weird Al discography and I keep him fairly updated. I mean, I, you know, send him three, four updates a year as I update mine. And, and, uh, I don't just keep it in a, in a webpage. I keep it also in a word document, but then I've also built a web page on that. And I, I'd been doing websites since 1995. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, have, have finally realized that, that has gone beyond me and the optimization for devices and everything. It's just, it's become a whole other, you, you gotta be like a 15 year old kid to do this stuff now.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's always been way over my head. Um, and, and then briefly, um, you have, I think at least two photography books that are Al related. Uh, can you just talk about those and, and where people can get them?
0: The, uh, I, I do have that, you know, a lot of the photographs, you know, I always had a camera with me. And, uh, and Al never thought to say, you know, will you stop p- taking pictures? He just let me take <laughs> pictures, you know, and, and I have hundreds of rolls of film, uh, of, of my life with him starting literally the second time I saw him. I didn't happen to have a camera that night at the Dr. Demento show, but the very next time I saw him a few months later, uh, I had a camera in my hand and, and started taking pictures and just, and kind of never stopped. Uh, the, the, uh, Again, with, with archiving, I had spent many, many years archiving, digitizing uh, my audio tapes. And, and meaning, and it didn't take me 25 years to do it. It took me a couple of years to start, and then 20 years to sit, and then a couple more years to finish it. And when I finished it, I thought, uh, you know, I got, I got a lot of negatives. I mean, a lot of personal photos and stuff like that as well. I said, you know, I, I should probably start thinking, and they're all stored safely, but again, you know, it would be nice to have those where they're accessible to do something with, you know, on online, for example. Uh, if I want to print one, if I want to find something, you know, I, I'll, it all goes in a database, right? I, I need to start archiving that stuff. And in looking through uh, my boxes of negatives, I was reminded that I also had some uh, bunch of black and white stuff I had shot on Al uh, from about 83 to about 86 that had never been printed. I made a couple eight by tens, but it, they were never printed. So they were never scanned or seen anywhere. Nobody had seen them. I mean, Al hadn't seen them. I just had literally contact sheets uh, so I could tell what was on them, but that was it. They were just stored and not really accessible in any way. So I thought, you know, it's, I I need to get this done. I'm gonna, you know, and maybe because this stuff hadn't been seen, these black and white photos had never been seen. uh, uh, Maybe the fans would enjoy it. Maybe it would be, you know, a good book idea. This was in 2017. And, uh, I, uh, and then I, I quickly, you know, dropped the idea. I, I actually, I think I, I think I looked into what self-publishing was and, and, uh, realized that wasn't for me. That that wasn't going to be a good thing. That basically with self-publishing, they print up the books, they, you know, facilitate that and then they sell you the books. Uh, They want to sell them to me so I can then market the books. That's not what I do. I don't, you know. I mean, you know, yeah, it would be easy enough. I could certainly put something on on one of the Al Facebook groups. You know, hey, get your, you know, Weird Al photo book. You know, I could sell them one at a time like that, but that's really not, you know, that's sort of a narrow appeal, which a Weird Al photo book does have sort of a narrow appeal, but it's, you know, you, you never know. If I could sell another few copies outside of that, that'd be great. That'd be worth it. Anyway, I we went on the road in 2018, 2019. And, you know, I didn't think much more about it. Uh, didn't do anything about scanning the negatives, nothing. They just kind of sat. This was just an idea. And we ran into, in New York City on the 2019 tour, uh, ran into one of the guys that helped put together the uh, box set of, of Al's called Squeeze Box, which came out in 2017 or 18 or something like that. And I had worked very closely, again, a lot of photos, but they were all scans of prints. But a lot of photos, a lot of details, uh, on the booklet that comes inside, I it. mean, it's basically my booklet uh, that mm. came inside this 15 album set. So the guy that was there, Mike Duquette from uh, Legacy Records, which is Sony, uh, and I were chatting after the show, and uh, he says, "Well, what do you, you know?" And he was telling me about something they were thinking of doing, which they haven't done uh, <laughs> yet, but uh, you know, with Al, and and uh, he says, "What, what are you doing?" I said, "Well, I, you know, I've got to you know," and I thought back a couple of years you know, well, I, you know, we've got next year off. I've got a bunch of black and white negatives that I think might make a good book. You know, so I'm kind of, I'm sort of pursuing that. And uh, he says, oh, that sounds like a good idea. Anyway, a few weeks later, I got an email from him. He says, if you're still moving forward on this book idea, I want you to contact this friend of mine who's a publisher who specializes in pop culture coffee table books uh, named uh, Matthew Tornacki, 1984 publishing. Anyway. I didn't think much about it at the time, but it did, uh, I got the incentive to go ahead and start scanning the negatives. And I went through as if there was going to be a book. I said, you know, I think these and these and these would make, you know, really good chapters. I'm going to get them digitized and get them ready for something. I don't know. Don't know what. But I went ahead and did it and and, uh, they looked pretty good. And certainly, you know, saw a bunch of stuff I hadn't really seen. I was able to see it the size of a screen instead of, you know, the size of a negative on these contact sheets. So I went ahead and contacted Matthew. And literally in a week, we had signed a contract for this book. And, uh, of course, everything had been scanned at this point. Now it was time to go through and pick out photos, ran everything by Al. Uh, If someone else was in a photo, I ran it by them, you know, so they would know what I'm doing. Uh, the goal was to not have any photos of me in there. And there were a few. I mean, oftentimes I would hand my camera to someone so I could be in a photo. And that, that was the goal. And I, I accomplished that as much as I possibly could, except that there were some photos and where Al was in them that that were really worth seeing. I want to say they were so good of Al, I didn't want to not use that just because I was in it. I didn't want to, you know, I, I really, and not because I wanted to be in it, but I wanted that photo to be seen. Yeah. And... I'm in it and it's like, well, you know, I I guess I'm going to be in some photos and I will figure out who took those photos, which didn't take long. It was musical Mike Kiefer, uh, shot the photos and there's a handful of them in the, I love Rocky road video chapter. And since we had a couple of photos with Al in them and, and me, I figured, well, if I'm going to be in some photos, I'm going to put in some more of me. So I got, I got a couple of more of me, you know, from that video shoot, but that was the original plan. Uh, we put together, uh, a book. I and I had a title in mind, and and I uh, the the title I thought would be clever. And again, I'm thinking in my head. Well, we're marketing this to Al's fans, you know. So on that premise, so the title I thought of was "It Don't Matter If They're Black and White," mm. which is like the Michael Jackson song, but black and white. They're they're black and white photos. It don't matter yeah. if they're black and white, right? And then the subtitle would be something like unseen photos from the camera of John Bermuda Schwartz so that was my my working title going in well about a month into the project and and we're organizing this and that and he says well you got to write a little intro to each chapter and you know we're going to limit it to this many pages and you know etc etc he says oh and and about your title he says the uh you know he says he says uh you know that I I get the Michael Jackson reference it's about 30 years old at this point, but, you know, I get that it's a, you know, thing, but, and, and Michael Jackson's uh, scandals had started coming back up again at that point. He says, you know, one, it's a little bit of a obscure reference for some people, but, you know, maybe not a good idea to drag Michael Jackson into things at this point. You know, we don't want anyone, you know, referencing making a bad review on Amazon or something because they didn't, they, they thought the title was in bad taste because it referenced Michael, you know. And uh, I said, okay, well, you know, and he says, uh, also, you, you don't mention Al's name anywhere. It would be, <laughs> be really nice to maybe put Al's name in there somewhere. So if someone's searching for something, you know, the, the book will come up in their search, and maybe they'll buy a book. I said, oh, that's, you know, that's why you're the publisher, and I'm the, <laughs> I'm the drummer. Uh, so, and not that either of us came up with a good title. Uh, he presented me with some titles. I tried hard to think of some titles, and we just couldn't, uh, you know, couldn't quite come up with the exact right thing. And I was talking to another guy, coincidentally the guy that that asked me to play the jazz gig and insisted that I do it, a guy named Mark uh, Jonathan Davis. And Mark goes by this character Richard Cheese, who does lounge versions and and kind of you know uh, easy listening versions of hard rock songs and rap songs and just and very convincing, really nice things until you hear some of the lyrics. And it's really, and it's it's all a gag, although it's really done very, very, very well. And I, I had to call him regarding something. And he and I have known each other for many, many, many years. And I called him regarding something that, that I needed to write about a chapter. One of the chapters is, and we'll get, we'll get to the title in a minute, don't worry. But this is going somewhere. <laughs> One of the chapters is Al. It's a very short chapter because it's all I shot. But their photos, again, had never, ever been seen. Al's wearing a T-shirt from a radio station in Phoenix called KZZP. A uh, very popular station. Uh, a sta- and I forgot who the program director was there, but people, other PDs from around the country would check their playlist because they were like very adventurous about what they played and had really high ratings. They did, they had a, a more. it wasn't a morning zoo, but it was kind of, you know, it was a morning show with some of the guys. And Mark Davis was one of the guys in the morning. And uh, also another guy named Jonathan Brandmeyer, who was better known in Chicago, he came from KZZP. Hmm. I mean, a, a bunch of bunch of good people came through that station. Anyway, I thought maybe Mark would know what the deal was. Why was you know? And I, of course, you know, Al's wearing the shirt. You would think I would have asked Al. I did. He didn't remember. You would think. Well, I took a bunch of pictures that day. Do I know what I was doing? No, I don't remember where the shirt came from. I mean, it came from the station. But but why? Why? And then there was also a picture of. uh of uh, Rick Derringer, our then producer. And he also had a shirt. He had a KZZP shirt. you know. And I said, well, why do the two of them have KCZP shirts? So I was talking to Mark. I said, what, you know, and I knew, knew when I took the pictures, I said, you know, any time maybe in, you know, the three, four, five months prior to this date, was there a reason that Al ended up with some shirts that I would take some pictures and probably, I guess for the purpose of sending them, Although, again, no prints, so I don't know what I was doing. But, uh, you know, why would Al have that shirt? And he didn't remember either. He said, uh, you know, I said, okay, well, we're going to assume that. Because Al and Dr. Nemento had gone to KCCP to do something. And either they picked up a shirt or two then, or KCCP sent shirts to them later, or whatever it was. But we figured, okay, they Al ended up with a shirt took some pictures to send them back to the station as a thank you. That was the premise. So that's that's what Mark and I agreed on. I said, by the way, Mark, you know, I'm, I'm uh, you know, we're having trouble with the title of this book. What do you, what do you think? Uh... Oh, no, no, no. He volunteered. <laughs> he's because I, because, you know, I said, well, you know, we're doing this book. So we talked about this whole KCCP thing. Then he volunteers. He says, uh, by the way, uh, you know, and because in his mind, he's already thinking, he says, by the way, uh, uh, you know, if you need a title, How's this Black and white and weird all over now, in the meantime, I already had this other title still in my mind. I said, uh, yeah mark, don't 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 call us, you know we'll, <laughs> we'll' I'll let you know anyway, and so when Matthew hit me with this, you know your title is has, has got some issues, I said, uh well, I do actually have this other title in my back pocket that this other guy gave me black and white and weird all over He says that's it, that's the title, and then the uh, subtitle was. Uh, again, since he's, he's it's a, I know this is the long explanation. Uh, <laughs> since ahead. the photos hadn't really been seen, uh, we called it the lost photographs of Weird Al Yankovic, 1983 to 1986. Because that was the only period that I shot black and white. And I think, and I'd been shooting color all along and during that time as well. And I think I, I shot black and white uh, because I wanted sort of to document, you know, black and white has a certain vibe to it. a certain official look and and i wanted to document it and i and i carried two cameras at the time so i had color as well i didn't just rotate the film through one camera i walked around with two and i know that because i have pictures that are black and white and then i have pictures of the same thing you know obviously a few seconds later that are color you know so i took a picture of al and the I love Rocky Road directors standing next to each other and shot some in black and white, and then the ones in color a slightly different position. <laughs> you know, so so I just you know okay, let me okay, wait a minute now I need to shoot, need to shoot with the color camera. And Hold they, that pose. And, yeah, and they and everyone put up with me, running around taking pictures of everything. I was taking pictures again since I wasn't in the videos that much. I had a lot of free time to just stand around, and take pictures off to the side of of them actually shooting. You know, I mean, fortunately, there wasn't any, I didn't use a flash, of course. Uh, So I wasn't really interrupting anyone, but I was able to take pictures while they were actually shooting the videos, Uh, sometimes from behind the camera so I could get a little bit of perspective. I always tried to get uh, some of the the set and some of the other things in place uh, so it didn't look like just a production shot. Now, they didn't bring photographers on the set. I guess they would have had to pay them or something. So they were happy to let me run around with a camera or two and just do all this stuff except that of the black and white stuff, they didn't really see very many of those photos. They saw, we printed up about 10 of them between the first two videos. We, we did like maybe 10 or 12 eight by tens. And that was all they saw out of well over, you know, 150 shots, maybe 200 shots per video. They only saw a handful, a whole bunch of other really good ones. Anyway, we went through and we picked out about 200 shots and uh, put them in their book, big hit. Sold very well. Sold out, in fact, within two years. And, uh, but by that time, I was already working on a second book that was going to have all color in it. And this time around, I went out and bought a negative scanner, and I scanned all of the photos. Uh, the first ones, the about 19 rolls of black and white, I had uh, taken to a service and paid for those. This time around, and because the quantity was going to be so much, and because I was sitting around anyway all year, uh, in, in this is the lockdown time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We uh, in 2021, I spent four months and, and a couple of weeks every day, every single day, scanning film, three, four, five, six rolls sometimes, and the hard part, logging everything by frame, not not frame by frame, but you know, this from frame number 14a through 22a was shot here and on this day. With these people, I I put a column in a a field for keywords for pets, homes, cars, bands, uh, Demento, uh, Weird Al, uh, you know, girlfriends, uh, you know, family, every single, uh, drums, every single thing that I might want to search for later to find out, you know, if I wanted pictures of all of my, you know, find out all the frames that had pets in them, I could call those, those, uh, entries up very easily that's what took them the most time uh, I you know I often had forgotten the names of people uh, sometimes I surprised myself and remember the names of people from 40 you know 50 years I started shooting photos like 50 years ago and and then so the second book was all color photos and it was over a much longer period of time 1981 through I guess the last color photos on film that I shot of Al was around 2006 I'd been shooting digital since 97, but I continue to shoot some film. And gradually, I mean, you know, I I know when my last film was and no more, you know. So those were eye-popping photographs of Weird Al Yankovic, 1981 through 2006. For the title, uh, I tried and tried and tried to come up with titles, and the uh, the publisher tried to come up with titles, and, and just could not figure out so I went back to Mark Davis, and I said, uh, I, I, need, I need another book title. These are all color, and it's going to be, you know, over this 25-year span, and it's going to be all, you know, this and this. And, and uh, about, about 45 minutes later, he sends me an email with about 50 potential titles in it. And his, his first thought, and I could have done this, was anytime something had, uh, you know, the, the word world in it, he would change it to weird. So so uh you know the, the the world according to al let's say would be the weird according to al which is actually pretty funny for something uh but but any any anything like that so that was just like an obvious substitution but then he came up with some other stuff that was completely just obviously well thought out different you know not just sinking to that you know obvious thing and one of those and we used it was lights camera accordion And which looks better in print than it does to hear it. But, you know, obviously, you know, like, no, yeah, it's, you know, it's lights, camera, action, lights, camera, accordion. So you you got lights. Yeah. I'm the camera and he's the accordion and there you go. So lights, camera, accordion came out in November of uh, 2022. In fact, exactly two years after the first book came out and, uh, and did well, you know, came out in time for Christmas and and I do have to point out, and this is if anybody's thinking of putting out a book, and they have an option. And I, again, I was lucky because I was pointed to a publisher who specializes in the kind of book I wanted to do. Uh, anybody that's, that wants to consider self-publishing, and which again is different from print-on-demand, which is a possible thing as well. Except you know you make the least money of all, I think, on something like that. But you're you're not into it for anything. But there's there's print-on-demand. There's getting a proper publisher and they handle all the logistics or they're self-publishing where they, they, you know, want to sell you the books that they make. And they, uh, they don't really do any of the marketing. They don't have, I'm not saying they don't know about publishing, but they would not have told me about this thing with the first book. Uh, you know, though your title might be a little controversial or why don't you put, you know, the subject of your books, you know, put his name in there somewhere for search purposes. They would not have, They they didn't know that. They just want to know how many photos you got. Are uh, you going to put any text in? Do you want to thank anybody? Uh, what photo do you want to put on the cover? And uh, what what price do you want us to print on the back? That would have been it. And then they just would have sold me, you know, 5,000 books. And I'd be sitting here with, well, in the case of the first book, none of them. They all went. Yeah. But, you know, so that, that would be the difference. Uh, you know, I don't really recommend self-publishing unless you know what you're doing. And I certainly did not. Uh, the publisher... I hooked up with definitely knows how to do things. And it had worldwide distribution, uh, partially through Amazon. Uh, I believe all but one or two of the Amazon country sites had the book for sale. Uh, You know, he has a distributor in Europe, distributor in Australia, distributor in Canada. Uh, The book was available in South America. Uh, And the same for the second book as well. Um, Unfortunately, uh, and, and, and it is, it has, and is selling well, uh, not as well as the first book. And the publisher advised me. He says, you know, the sequels don't often do as as well as the first book, but this is still. It doesn't mean don't do it. You know, this is still, uh, you know, a cool book. And of course, he knew. You know, he saw the whole book before it ever got printed. He had it. You know, he had all of the photos in hand, of course. Uh, but uh, the the both both books. Well, the first book sold out. Second book will eventually sell sell out. Uh, I I have to thank Al also for, with the first book, for taking it on tour in 2022 and uh, putting it on the merch table, which, one, meant, uh, you know, when he bought, you know, a box of books, you know, so they could sell them, I got paid, you know, for the books. But then when he sold them, he made money, too. I mean, he made, you know, his margin on it, too. So we both did very well on that tour. And that partly is why they sold out. They sold out before the end of the tour.
1: Nice. And
0: and now if you go on Amazon, they still list it, but they're all marketplace listings from uh, bookstores that, uh, you know, maybe bought them and, and are trying to market them for Amazon. Sometimes a fan will be selling a book. Uh, all of the books, almost all of the books we sold on tour, I signed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, so that was nice because you couldn't really get a signed copy anywhere else. And I wasn't really... Uh, you know, that tour and we had our COVID protocols was the first time since the book had been out that I was on the road with the book, but not seeing any fans. So if, you know, if they had brought a book that they had bought and brought it for me to sign, I couldn't do it. You know, in years past, I certainly, you know, would have done that. Um, you know, and, and possibly Al, probably Al too. If you can get it in front of Al, he's happy to sign as well.
1: Yeah.
0: Anyway, so those are my those are my two books uh, you know, Al is very pleased with both of them. I'm very pleased with both of them and, uh, the the fans love them. And, uh, that's, it's very gratifying for me, you know, and in archiving all of those photos, you know, it gave me a chance to kind of, uh, relive my life, you know, not only with him, but I mean, my life, you know, in general, you know, since the early seventies through everything else. Uh, it was just, it was really cool, you know, since I had to, to scrutinize every frame, I mean, I, I, corrected them, color corrected them somewhat going in. I mean, I didn't try to work 200 on each one with all the ones I had to do. It would have taken forever. I figured, you know what, if I need to, whatever three, four, 500 of them I ever need to look at again, I'll deal with them as needed. So I, but I did a little bit of, of work scanning them in. And, you know, in doing so, got a chance to, you know, really dig into those photos, you know, whether were pets or family or, or, you know, somewhere that Al played or, you know, some old drum set that
1: I haven't had in 30 years or,
0: or whatever it is. It was really it was, it was a serious trip down memory lane, which was very, very cool for me.
1: Yeah, that that's amazing. I, I'm a, a little bit of a, a family archivist as well. Um, you know, gathering old home movies. We're in the process of digitizing old Super Eight films from the 70s and 80s, and and even before the 70s. And so it's I, I'm the one who's gathering all that that you know I'm the tech guy. Um, so that's been a lot of fun. Um, and, and regarding your books, I I did buy uh, one of each of them. Um, I will oh, say you. though, I, I have kept them uh, wrapped up. Because, you know, not that I plan to sell them, but it's like it's this very special thing that I just want to sort of keep, uh, keep, keep uh, as is for as long as possible. Um, so there's there's a part of me that's like, I, I you know, maybe I should have bought two so I could open one and leave one uh, closed up. Um, so I haven't actually looked at the books yet, but I have oh. them on my shelf and they're like. Uh, you know, there there are these. It's it's not an altar per se, but it's this really nice little area. So one of these days, I'm definitely gonna take a look at them. And I know that you did a number of episodes on uh, David Ethan's podcast where you go through. I think the first book, page by page. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Have, I haven't we, listened to those yet until I actually open up the book, but it's there. Well, someday. we've got
0: this thing where where you get two of something. We we call it one to keep, one to have. Exactly. And and uh, and I and I try and do that with all of those things, and I've got. Archive copies and I've got my personal copy. I've got, you know, the copies that are out literally on the coffee table here. And, nice. uh, uh, but I've got archived versions. I've got my personal archived versions. I've got archived versions, even though i give given Al copies of the books, obviously. I've got the archived versions that go into his archive because it's an Al thing. I know it came from me, but it still goes in there. So he's going to, you know, one day he's going to see this and it's oh, I got a book and a box set. There were box sets for each of these books with extra stuff in them. Mm-hmm. and uh, and so he's got a regular book and a box set for each of these books. I have each of those put aside. I've got a you know a handful of extras here that will probably last me the rest of my life. I think everyone who I wanted to give a book to I've given a book to at this point. so uh, it's uh a- again, the archiving thing you know, even comes down to a book of photos from my archive. Uh, you know, I just <laughs> I'm very very, uh, I'm, just, I'm very happy that I was able to do that and was able to hook up. You know, I'm very grateful to Mike Duquette uh, for for putting me on to, to Matthew and his company and, and for having worked so well. Uh, he, he really got things done that I never, ever could have got done. Uh, yeah. Interviews set up, coverage in, in papers and, and magazines and on websites and, that I never could have gotten through to. And uh, again, with that self-publishing thing, I would have been completely on my own. You know, I yeah. would have been there literally just trying to sell them to Al fans instead of putting it out there and, and reaching a lot of people that are maybe more casual fans, but think it's a cool book. You know, they go into a Barnes and Noble and they pick it up and they look through it and go, this this is pretty cool. And, and they'll buy it, you know, and that's, you know, so it's not strictly for the hardcore fans. Uh, although obviously I think all of them have it as well. Well, it was Multiple. interesting. We We sold a bunch of books and then we sold a bunch more on the road. It's like, why, why aren't these, why didn't these people buy books, you know, uh, two years ago when it came out, what happened? What, why did yeah, they miss it somehow? It's
1: probably, you know, yeah. It's so interesting. I,
0: I guess, or else they bought extra ones or something, or, you know, you get there and, and it's kind of a point of sale thing. You know, you get there and you, you know, say, yeah, I, I heard there was a book, but I wasn't sure about it. And then they look through it and they go, oh, this is really cool. And then they buy it. And we used to sell, you know, 40, 50, sometimes 60 books a night wow you know five nights a week uh it was great it was and that's that helped it you know and it was a it was a long tour we were on the road six months and yeah. uh the book the book lasted about you know not quite five of those months before they were just gone it's like the distributors out that's it and uh so you know many thanks to al for helping you know sell the rest of those uh and he got paid handsomely as well i dare say he made a lot more on the book than i did it was a no-brainer for everybody i think (laughs) well yeah you know i don't i you know and and i think i think his manager when when he said you know yeah we'll put your book out there i think he thought that was like a nice favor to me which it was he doesn't have to do that but the fact is it's a piece of merch that that made al money and it's like that's why that merch is there you know it's not there as a favor to anybody it's there that's that's part of al's income and selling my book you know yeah i made a few bucks but you know, that's part of his income as well and yeah. uh that worked out very well for him so that was you know that was a good thing uh you know i don't know uh you know it's, it's possible we'll go out in 2024 uh certainly by 2025 but you know we'll see if uh if maybe selling the second book uh, you know would work on that tour as well and and again good for me good for al and uh, yeah. i'll go through and as they come in and they would order like 400 of them at a time and i would have to sit down when the 400 books came in you know they would we would meet them somewhere you know at the next gig or something and i would sit down i have to pull them all out of their boxes sign them wait for them to dry because i signed yeah. up in a sharpie you know and i'd line up like 10 at a time you know kind of fold them onto each other so the signed page was up you know wait a few seconds close them over, put them back in the box stack up the box you put it back in the truck uh, it was very time-consuming. I, I dare, I you know, I I hate to say it, but at the very end, I think we got our very last shipment of books, and I said, "I'm I'm not signing these. I've had it. I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm tired as my hand. I got a play tonight. My hand hurt. You know, come on. Man. Yeah. You know that's so. A bunch of people got signed books. A handful didn't. Yeah. So sorry, well, sorry to you guys who thought it was going to be signed and it wasn't. My my apologies. You
1: should have seen an earlier show. Well, that's true. You know
0: why? Yeah. Why'd you wait till? October to come see us (laughs) exactly uh
1: well yes I mean obviously if you guys go out and tour again I'm going to catch you I think we saw you uh with the with the orchestra at Ravinia outside of Chicago that's that's where I'm at Uh, beautiful place um my wife had never seen Al you know she didn't really follow Al growing up uh but she had a blast she was loving the whole show we went with a couple of friends it was such a good time
0: oh good oh well thank you yeah I remember I remember that gig well
1: yeah yeah, um,
0: that had that, that there was there was a uh, it was a lawn. Yep. And yep. Uh, there was some I don't know if there was a screen, but there was some sort of a tower or a screen off to the side where if you didn't have a good view of the stage, you could watch that. Uh, yeah. It was just it was very pretty. It was, it was an outdoor gig, as I recall, and uh, very, very cool. You know, and yeah. Chicago's my hometown. So that was that was my hometown
1: gig. Awesome. I didn't realize that. That's awesome. Well, next time you come in town, we'll, we'll go hang out. Okay. We'll go to Ravinia. We'll go We'll go to Lumonati's. Lumonati's exactly. Oh yeah, there's lots of Lumonati's around. It? okay. Okay. I thought they had yeah. closed. Oh no. No. I mean maybe they've pared down but no, there's still a bunch of them. Yeah. Oh, okay. Classic. Right. Yeah. Oh good. Good. Well, uh, you know, you're you're a musician and you use these things on the side of your head uh, to to hear things. Yeah, exactly. Use the headphones that are attached to your head at all times. Uh, You use them to hear things. And uh, that is that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, I'm uh, what what? Well, you know, if I haven't said to the uh, to the to the fans, the the, the fans, the people who are listening, I don't know if they're fans. I don't know who they are. Um, But we're talking about the word ear. In this episode, um, I just like right off the bat, do you have any just thoughts about ears? I mean, this is a thing that we're just so used to. Oh, well, I, I,
0: an ear is a beautiful thing.
1: Two things, is, you know, two of them is even better.
0: You can hear stereo <laughs> that way. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's, uh, you know, well, as a musician, you know, I, I mean, you, you got to have ears. You got to have good ears. You got know, to you got you to gotta use what you what you hear through them. You know, you got to listen through them. And you know that's been part of my success with Al is you know when we're covering a you know someone else's song when we're doing a parody I got to listen carefully so very grateful for my ears and uh, you know grateful that that uh, you know at least one of them still works really well
1: <laughs> at least one yeah I mean I know I'm my ears are definitely starting to go but but you know I'm in my forties. Uh, that's it's probably just gonna keep on going I need to protect them as much as I can Uh, so if there's any young people out there I would say uh, if you go to loud concerts wear earplugs Uh, don't be blasting your music super loud through your headphones or your speakers which is what I did when I was younger and I think that caused some damage so you you gotta really protect them
0: yeah uh, no it's definitely and by the time you realize there's a problem it's too late and then it gets worse and it can't be it can't be fixed you know, they have uh, hearing aids and, and other kinds of devices that are, you know, and, and they're sophisticated. You know, they're not just amplifiers anymore. I mean, they're very sophisticated. Mm. It's not the same. When you lose the ability to hear your high end in, in, in uh, you know, one or both of your ears, you know, that not only affects, you know, your how you hear music. You know, it's not as, as crisp anymore, but it affects how you hear speech. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't hear things like s's as clearly Mm -hmm. and and that's all of a sudden now that becomes a regular daily thing uh so absolutely protect your ears serious i mean by the time i realized you know 20 plus years ago that i was starting to have some hearing loss and starting to lose my high end particularly my left ear because that's the side that i had a a monitor on stage before before i started initially wearing headphones and then we got in-ear monitors which uh uh you know has has kept my hearing from getting worse. It hasn't right. fixed anything, but it's kept it from getting worse. And and I guess I knew and and we had the option of of using in ears and and you know or headphones, which does two things. One, it keeps a lot of the volume out and allows you to moderate the volume that you put in your in your ears. You know, you don't have to turn them up, you can turn them down to a comfortable level because you don't have so much outside noise coming in. Uh, There are some isolation headphones that work very, very well for that. And then there's molded in-ear monitors, IEMs. And uh, I should add that that those were invented by a guy named Jerry Harvey, who started a company called Ultimate Ears. And Jerry Harvey made those for Alex Van Halen, the drummer with Van Halen, (laughs) because it was just so, they played so loud and, you know, he needed... I, I assume he was smart enough to want to protect his hearing, but it also allows you to isolate what the outside noise, so that you can have you can hear what you want or not hear what you don't want. Yeah. You know, it's very very much a, of a need to know mix that a lot of drummers use. You know, I don't I don't need to hear this, so I, you know I got to put something in my ear to block out the outside sounds, and then I'll put in what I want at the level and the and the balance that I want, and it really you know, besides protecting your hearing, it makes performing a, a whole lot easier. And I've been using in-ears on and off for more than 20 years, but been using headphones quite a bit since maybe to 99 or 2000. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been using headphones for the entire show and isolation headphones. So, but again, uh, you know, my hearing loss particularly in my left ear where my you know monitor was and it was always loud. Uh, that's That's never coming back. So ears... You know, ear ears are, are important to protect. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, got to protect them. Uh, so on that note, uh, the first word in this episode is the first form of the word ear. Uh, this word is a noun from before the 12th century. Uh, and, you know, like I said before, I'm just going to read through these and I might may prompt you for certain things. Feel free to jump in if you've got any additional information or something that you want to say. But we're just going to we're going to go through these. Oh, I don't know, ten to twenty de- definitions and some phrases. Uh, so we we got some a lot of information on ears. All okay. right, one. all ears. Let's go. Oh, he's that's we're gonna get more of that. I think <laughs> <laughs> the uh, number one a the characteristic vertebrate organ of hearing and equilibrium consisting in the typical mammal of a sound collecting outer ear separated by the tympanic membrane from a sound-transmitting middle ear that, in turn, is separated from a sensory inner ear by membranous fenestrae, or fenestrae. That was a lot of information. Whoa, that was, that was a mouthful. That was an earful. It sure was. Um, I was not prepared for that long definition. I, I don't think I have anything
0: to add to that. I don't even know what that meant.
1: <laughs> I know, uh, there's a lot a of, lot of fancy words there. Well, you know, on that note, we have a we have a chart at the bottom of this. I uh, do you still have that uh, the uh, the screenshot that I sent you? You don't have to have it up if you don't if you don't have it. Oh, oh maybe uh, I didn't even send you one. I, that's I don't okay. Know. Uh, you know what? No worries there there is an image at the bottom of the page. I probably didn't even send you one. Um, but while you're looking for it, I'm gonna start to try to describe. This whole ear system, um, you know, you can even just do a Google search if anybody wants to sort of follow along. It's a very detailed uh, image of of your outer ear, your middle ear, your inner ear. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this because it's intense and it's detailed, but I'm going to go through, I'm just going to read the numbers. I'm going to read what each of the parts are, give a little bit of description And then if you know, if you know, like, I don't know how much, if you ever studied the ears or hearing or sound, but if you have additional information, he's shaking his head. No, he didn't. I I don't have any idea. (laughs) It's all interesting. Go ahead. Okay. It sounds Uh, fascinating. So, uh, so number one is the pinna, P-I-N-N-A. And this is just pointing to, you know, the fleshy part of your outer ear uh, right above the ear lobe. Um, So I guess just maybe that whole outer ear other than the lobe is called the pinna.
0: Oh, you know what? And and if you take a stick and you hit it, a bunch of candy comes out. <laughs> oh, you mean like... No, no. It... no it's a
1: pinata. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Never mind. No, you can edit that out. That's okay. Now, never mind. now I want a, a pinata <laughs> that's in the shape of an ear. And we'll call it a that, pinata. That would be good. That yeah. would make sense. Uh, number two is the lobe. This is the ear lobe. The down, the hangy down part of the ear. And not, they don't all hang down. Number three. This is the auditory meatus. M-E-A-T-U-S. It looks like meet us. The auditory meatus. Uh, this looks basically just like the canal that goes from the outer ear to the inner ear. This is probably where you might get some waxy buildup. Uh, this is the place where you do not want to stick your fingers or any other tiny little things like Q-tips. You don't want to put them in there. That's the... The canal called the auditory meatus. Number four is the tympanic membrane, and I believe this is also known as the eardrum. Uh, this this is at the end of that canal. It's sort of at an angle. It looks it's just a thin little uh, membrane. And what I find amazing is that people say, oh, I uh, what what do they say? I I I bursted my eardrum." Uh, I whatever the phrase is. And I don't think it was until I was an adult that I realized it does heal up. It's just like, you know, it's tissue in your body. It will heal. Um, have oh. you ever had any issues with your eardrum?
0: No, never. Uh, I've been lucky. And and I yeah. don't I don't poke things in my ear. So, you know, I've, I've been... Uh, and, and I don't allow other people to poke things in my ear.
1: Unless they're a doctor, an ear doctor, specifically. Very specifically, yeah. I wouldn't trust anybody else. Um, number five is the eustachian tube. And boy, this picture is small. Uh, this looks like, oh, number five, this is, the, this is right on the other side of the uh, tympanic membrane. This is the tube that I believe connects to your sort of nasal uh, mouth sinus or, uh, area. Um, there, there is a passageway that goes between that area um, and that passageway, I guess, is called the eustachian tube. Uh, number six, this is a very important part. Because all the other parts were not important, this one's important. This is the cochlea, and this is way on the inside of the inner ear, and it is a uh, a spiral-shaped little organ, uh, like like a looks like a snail shell. And what's amazing about the cochlea, and you you probably know this, it is filled with tiny tiny little hairs, and this is where the sound gets processed uh, by the brain. It sends when the hairs vibrate i what i heard is that every row of hair translates to a frequency or like a small range of a frequency and then that signal gets sent through the nerves to the brain so you can process it and um this is the thing that is processing the sound um do i i don't know how do you do you know much about the cochlea that part of the ear
0: Well, uh, you know, it makes sense now because as I have lost hair on the top of my head, I'm probably losing (laughs) hair in the cochlea. And that's why I'm not hearing the same frequencies. It's probably it
1: probably goes hand in hand. uh, There's a lot of science behind that one, I think. Yeah, Um, Yeah. (laughs) I I have heard that sometimes you might hear a very high pitched uh, ringing for a few seconds. And what I. I hope it's not true, but I think it might be true, is that when you hear that, that is that row of hairs in the cochlea dying. And so that very specific frequency, you cannot hear anymore. You know, like you said, the high range, uh, it tends to be yeah. the higher ranges that, that go first. Um, oh, so I, I do hear that sometimes. And so I'm, I'm thinking I'm, I'm, losing, I'm losing that high range. I'm not going to worry about that right now. that's a problem for future Spencer. Um, Number seven is the auditory nerve. So this is coming out of the cochlea towards the brain area. And this is literally the nerve that's sending the audio signals. Uh, Number eight. I don't know if it's pronounced stapes or stapes. Uh, This. Oh, you know, I think this is one of those tiny little bones. We have those three tiny little inner ear bones that I believe are the smallest bones in the human body. And one of them is called the stapes or the stapes. And it looks kind of triangular shape from the, this tiny little picture. Uh, number nine is the semicircular canals. Semicircular canals. That looks like it might be another one of the bones. Uh, number 10. Uh, oh, sorry. I take that back. Number nine semi, semi, semicircular canals. I think this. these look like they're at the end of the cochlea. And uh, maybe this is how the, audio, the the sound gets into the cochlea. It goes through these semicircular canals. And then number 10 is the incus, I-N-C-U-S, which looks like one of the bones. Number 11 is the malleus, M-A-L-L-E-U-S. That looks like another, the third of these bones. And finally, number 12 It's just Bones of Skull, which sounds like an amazing hard rock band name. Yeah. Bones of Skull. Um, You know, and they put that in there because uh, this is kind of like a cross section of this ear part. And, um, you know, a big chunk of that area is bone. And so they have to uh, mention that. Boy, there's a lot going on in there. Oh, it's so complicated. This looking at this image, uh, I don't know if you found your own Google image version of it, but it's a a bit intense to see it. And if it's in color, it's even more intense. Uh, So, yeah, that's the ear. That's that's uh, your whole system. And some people's uh, some of their ears work and some of them don't. And we're all unique individuals. And uh, that's what makes us beautiful. Oh, that's true. Uh, Okay, that was just the first definition. Now we are moving on. (laughs) I know, right? Uh, 1B, any of various organs, as of a fish, capable of detecting vibratory motion. So, I think what this is saying is that fish have ears, but in fish, or maybe other animals, they're not so much for hearing, but they're for detecting... Vibration, which is what sound is—it's vibration. Uh, so they're just detecting it in a more vibratory way than a hearing way. Does that make sense to you? I, uh, you know, not being a fish, I don't know. <laughs> uh,
0: but but uh, uh, yeah, yeah, that sounds good.
1: I like yeah. it. I, you know, it's just another—it's the way that the the vibe the the vibrations travel through water. You know, they gotta detect something. So I guess that's their version of sound interesting okay Uh, number two this is the external ear of humans and most mammals so of course the ear is made up of the whole system that we talked about before but also just this fleshy thing on the outside of her body is just called ear number three a the sense or act of hearing that one's a little weird the sense huh. or act of hearing is called ear. I don't know. I can't think of context where you would use that well, uh if you're in England, you know you could say "I ear you <laughs> yes, that's very true. you could just drop drop the drop the h uh, yeah yep. yeah I don't oh, know n-
0: that's okay
1: nice usage of of the the way they say h as well yeah h well h. you gotta you know if you're not gonna
0: say it, you gotta at least identify it properly. You know, exactly. and, I, and I do that for every letter, every letter in the
1: alphabet from A to Z. Yep. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the sensor active hearing is ear. Okay. Uh, I, I ear you. Yeah, yeah. 3B, this is acuity of hearing. So just uh, what, your, how, you, the acuity of hearing, how, um, I'm trying to think, of, I'm trying to word that in another way. Um, but I guess that's also just called ear these this is a weird a weird little section for me hmm. Hmm. uh well, we've got more sub definitions for three. We've got three c sensitivity to musical tone and pitch also the ability to retain and reproduce music that has been heard. okay, so this one i I definitely understand better. this is you know somebody says I play by ear um uh, okay, playing okay, piano. Yeah. Yeah, sensitivity to musical tone and pitch. Yeah, I, I've I am amazed when people can play by ear, especially the piano. They just hear a song and they can just start playing. Have you you've probably seen people do that? Yeah, Yep. Yeah. It's astounding. Three uh, D. So, so this is this is similar sensitivity to nuances of language, especially as revealed in the command of verbal melody and rhythm or in the ability to render a spoken idiom accurately so this one seems like it's similar to playing by ear but it's more with language so if i say the cat's out of the bag
0: that's a like very clear idiom of some sort
1: okay right right and and yeah very specific to a, a culture i guess <laughs> yeah that keeps cats in bags and who are trying to escape <laughs> Right. Why are all these Hi. cats in bags? Do you have any cats? No. no. I will tell you, uh, cats do love bags. So oh, there's okay. there's some truth to that idiom, I guess.
0: Well, then a cat out of the bag is
1: probably not a, a desirable thing, you know, if you're a cat. Uh, oh, no, yeah. No, they love to be in the bag. So yeah, cats oh, out of the bag. Okay. Uh, okay. Number four. Number four is something resembling a mammalian ear in shape position or function. So, it's not literally the ear. It just... It resembles an ear. I don't even know what that would be. No,
0: not buying that one.
1: No, but we have a little help here. We have 4A, so there's that's the main definition. We got a sub definition here. This will tell us, right? It is a projecting part. So, but specifically a lug or a handle a projecting part as a lug or handle okay yeah what, what i i'm blanking on this can you think of a a more specific yeah. example
0: uh uh well i mean something that sticks out or well, let's say you have well on, on drums for example yeah. there are the uh there are the casings the the hardware that is on the shell and those are referred to as lugs and and they they stick out. I mean, they could be considered ears, I guess. Uh, huh. You could actually pick them up by these these uh, little uh, extensions. These these lugs sticking. Can you out. point
1: to your shirt? Oh, <laughs> yes. So
0: that's that's a lug.
1: Okay. That's another like lug. A, I think. Like lug nuts, right? I've heard of those. That, kinda. That's I I guess, but that's
0: not. Maybe maybe lug has many meanings. I'm not. Yeah, probably quite sure. does. You know, sometimes well, it's a sometimes it's a big stupid person.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Tune in to the L's. <laughs> in about ten years, <laughs> we'll learn about lugs. Uh, okay. Well, we also have four B here. So again, four is something resembling a mammalian ear in shape, position, or function. So four B is either of a pair of tufts of lengthened feathers on the head of some birds. So again, not literally ears,
0: but yeah. like ears.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Ear-like. You're like yeah. This section is e- ear-ish. Uh, This section is a lot stranger than I expected it to be. Okay, number five. The synonym here, there's no definition. The synonyms are attention and awareness, but we have an example. We have some context. The example is lend an ear. So now I don't know if I fully agree with these synonyms. Attention and awareness. And then the example is lend an ear. Well, that would be
0: attention, certainly.
1: I, g- I guess you're giving your attention if you're lending your ear, right? Yeah. But an awareness? Okay. Uh, hmm. I,
0: uh, maybe.
1: Yeah. It, it Maybe it's a bit of a stretch, but... Uh, yeah. Well, they're trying
0: to, you know, and they, they want to cover every single ridiculous, minute, pedantic base of you know exactly. of, of of every possible, you know tangential whatever you know. They just they want to be thorough. And I'm sure yes. they I'm sure these things get re examined and rewritten and get become even more obtuse, you know, just yeah. in case someone figures out, you know, as language changes, all of a sudden, you know, word starts taking on other meanings. And those have to be added. And I guess ear has has uh, you know gone through some a lot of changes over the years. <laughs> yeah. The years. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'll, I'll do this podcast again in 50 or 100 years, and then we'll see how, how many more definitions we have. Okay. Uh, number six for ear. A space in the upper corner of the front page of a periodical, like a newspaper, usually oh. containing advertising for the periodical itself, Or a weather forecast. People, I don't think, read physical newspapers so much anymore. But, you know, go ahead.
0: You know, I didn't think of that exactly when I think of, you know, the upper corner. I think when you bend it down to save your place in a book, that would be dog ear. Yeah. And maybe not because it looks, although they do put dog in there. But not that it necessarily looks like a dog ear, but it is at the place where the ear would be on the page. Interesting
1: yeah and i wonder which came first the dog ear term or the ear like were, were they calling that corner of the page the ear and then when you'd fold it over it became dog ear because of the term ear or because it looks like a dog ear it's like a chicken and egg situation yeah or the cat and the bag <laughs> right right the, the, the dog and the bag dogs hate bags <laughs> I, i've heard i don't know <laughs> no dogs in my household um, okay number seven this is the last definition for the first form of ear number seven a person who listens a person who listens and the synonym is listener as in looking for a friendly ear yeah. who's gonna lend their ear <laughs> yeah
0: uh I think they made that up they yeah. just they were looking for a way to work out you know yeah
1: no i don't know They want to get that phrase in there, so they just made that one up. A listener. yeah. yeah. Um, Okay, well, we have some uh, phrases here. There's a lot of ear-related phrases. Uh, The first one is all ears. I think I even heard you say that before. (laughs) Ah, yes. Uh, So this is eagerly listening. That's it. Eagerly listening, as in the example. If anybody spoke of that grisly matter, I was all ears. And alert... Oh, I lost my place. And alert to hear what might be said. And that is a quote from Mark Twain. So I wonder if... Um, w- could that possibly have been the first usage of the phrase all ears? Yes. <laughs> I don't it, know. it It has been said. <laughs> it was all ears. I am ready to listen, eagerly listening. The next phrase is uh, just by ear. Uh, and this means without reference to or memorization of written music, as in, as we talked about before, plays by ear. It's probably a little bit different for drums. Uh, do uh, you no, do, say, do you play drums by ear?
0: I, I can. I mean, it depends what it is. But, you know, if I'm capable of playing something and I hear it, I can then reproduce it. Uh
1: Yeah and and i'm sure you know after decades of playing the drums you you're you're like it's it's instinctual like it just happens you just know exactly what to do when you when you hear that
0: a a, a lot of it yeah i mean you know there there are not quite as many different because there's not a melodic aspect to drumming per se the way there is for a guitar or a piano bass right. you know bass guitar uh you know it's strictly rhythm uh there's there's not quite as much uh you know to know there's no, not quite as much you can do with the drum so it's you know it's there's and what i do in particular you know is, is fairly narrow in the scheme of drumming uh but but uh yeah i mean i can certainly hear something and then sit down and reproduce it yeah you know, on on the spot without having to to reanalyze it and you know now some things i you know bear repeating the repeated listening but for the most part if i hear something you know you know, we want to do a song and we want it to sound like this, you know, they'll play like, you know, a verse and a chorus and they go, OK, I, I know what's going on. So I can I can play that by ear somewhat.
1: Yeah, I think for me, the hardest thing would be to actually listen to like to, to hear the drums in the song that I'm listening to. I feel like does it take effort? Do you do you have to really, really concentrate to hear these just the drums and sort of tune out everything else?
0: Well, I mean, it's very natural for me because I, I can, you know, home in on the drums. I mean, mm-hmm. so th- I do hear that. It's not really such an effort to hear that. Yeah, unless it's yeah. a very poor mix, unless the drums are balanced way down in the mix, you know, then I have to listen more carefully or listen repeatedly. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I when I listen to things, when I listen to any music, I mean, I just naturally tend to hear what the drums are doing. You know, within right. within the context of the song, it's not like I don't hear lyrics or melodies or anything, but I mean, I... I do tend to focus on the drums and that's just a natural yeah that's just what I do in the same way that a guitar player would do the same
1: thing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. with guitar yeah Uh, let's see the next phrase is in one ear and out the other this is what I feel like my whole life is like (laughs) (laughs) Uh, this one is through one's mind without making an impression as in everything you say to him goes in one ear and out the other. It's kind of an interesting. Uh, the, the definition was worded kind of beautifully uh, through one's mind without making an impression. Yeah, um, Look,
0: literally through one's mind. <laughs> right. Or brain. Or brain.
1: You know. Yeah. Get some that's, mental floss to uh, clean out that area. Yeah.
0: No. That's that's how. If it went in one ear and out the other, it would go through your through your mind. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe it would stop, maybe it wouldn't. In there, I don't know. <laughs> it I, I guess we're, we're I guess it picky. suggests that it doesn't stop in between; that it keeps going.
1: Right, right, exactly. Uh, it just doesn't doesn't stick in the memory banks, and it's just gone right. out the other side. Uh, another phrase on one's ear, and this means in or into a state of irritation, shock, or discord, as in set the racing world on its ear by breaking the record. So, uh, the the act of breaking the record uh, sent everything into a state of irritation, shock, or discord. On one's ear. This is a weird one.
0: Yeah. they they. I think they've missed one, but I'm going to wait and see, and I'll, I'll come okay. back to it. Okay.
1: Fair, fair. Um, I'm wondering with that one, is it like, it's just, it like, flipped you upside down, so you you're not totally on your head, but you're just on your ear. I don't know, that's a weird <laughs> phrase.
0: Uh, that's from the from the guy who said, I'm all ears. Yeah. You know, suggesting I mean, that, that he's just like got ears all over him or something.
1: Which is a beautiful image I think. <laughs> uh, wasn't there like an old cartoon of like all those weird idioms and then they, they like literally showed every single one of them. There was like born with a silver spoon in your mouth and all ears. Oh. Something like that. <laughs> Uh the last phrase for the first form of the word ear is up to one's ears and this means deeply involved or heavily implicated as in the example up to his ears in shady deals he's just got way too many of them he's deeply involved in these shady deals what are you yes. up to your ears
0: in <laughs> yes or in in uh in to what am i yeah Oh me! I'm I'm up to my ears in Al memorabilia. Not a bad place to be. <laughs> you know, um, let me let me real quick since I, I it's probably not going to come back up. When when it was uh, play it by ear, yeah, and it referenced it, it you know in a musical context. It also applies in other areas where you go through and you're just sort of winging it, as it were. Mm-hmm. So playing and again same words playing it by ear, but. Not actually physically playing an instrument, but, you know, playing it, you know, doing it, you know, by by winging it, basically. Yeah. So that's, I'm surprised they didn't reference that because that's a common... That's a common uh, saying.
1: Yeah, it is. Uh, and y- you know what? Uh, you, you do bring up a good point. It is a little surprising that they didn't have that in here. And I really like that one because I actually do this podcast playing it by ear. I All I do really <laughs> is I read the words beforehand, and I don't read any of the definitions. Um, I might do a little bit of prep if I have a guest on, but otherwise, it's all off the top of my head. I'm reading the things, and just kind of whatever happens, happens. So, I, I yeah, I it's a weird exercise in 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 just sort of not really caring what happens um really is trying to use your brain but as regular listeners know i often cannot think of words <laughs> off the top of my head so it's a it's an interesting exercise to play things by ear hmm. indeed yeah um okay we finished that oh etymology real quick let's look uh this is from the old high german aura which means ear uh from the latin word oris and the greek word us o-u-s uh which probably just mean ear so i don't think there's really any interesting etymology for this one uh okay i'm gonna throw you a little curveball After each word what I like to do is make a sound effect usually just with my mouth because it's the thing that I know that I have with me and that sort of designates that words done here comes the next word and then throughout the episode I'll make the same sound effect. In this episode we only have four words so it's not going to come up a lot. So what's 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 like the first sound effect you can think of uh, that you can like make with your mouth. Uh <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot. I, I could give you a suggestion. It's a very cliche, but I can give it to you.
0: Uh, probably a, probably a raspberry. It's a good it, one.: a Raspberry, okay.: Yeah yep.
1: uh, okay. C- can you go ahead and uh, make a raspberry for me? Oh. Oh uh,
0: yeah. Okay.:
1: <laughs> Beautiful. It's the best raspberry I've ever seen. Thanks. You uh, could sample and that and use it. That's a good idea. I think we should do that. Um, so the next time, I'll make the sound effect, and then the last one, I'll have you do it. Okay. We're at. We're almost at the end. It was a whole big chunk of ear, and we have more ear. This is the second uh, form of the word ear. Uh, this one. I got. You know, I got to go
0: on the road some year. I mean, I have
1: to. I, I know, right? <laughs> you're you're going to be so sick of these things on the side of your head. Uh, okay. This this is short. This is also a noun from before the 12th century, and this is just the fruiting spike of a cereal, like wheat or Indian corn, including both the seeds and protective structures. So, oh. uh, like corn, yeah. right? Oh, how yeah. about that, okay. The fruiting spike of a cereal. Uh, real fast, the etymology says this is from the Old English word ekg which means edge, and there's more at the word edge. So yeah, it's, you know, just the fruiting the fruiting spike of a cereal, whatever that means. I don't. Okay. I don't know either. All right, I'm going to make the sound effect and I'm going to go which leads us to the third form of the word ear. This one is an intransitive verb from the 14th century and this means to form ears in growing as in the example the rye should be earing up. Uh, so to form ears in growing, what I don't understand no. that one.
0: Nah, nah, they're just they're 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 messing with you.
1: Yeah. Have you ever made rye bread? No. Yeah, me neither. Uh, well, we made it to the last word. Can you give <laughs> me one more sound effect? Oh. The same same sound raspberry in any way that you want to.
0: Oh boy. Uh, you know, see the the problem is, when I do sound and I'm known for my sound effects, I have mm. devices that do those. Yeah. So I mean, you know, like, very few things I do, you know, verbally, like right. that. Right. That's let's part see. of the challenge. I, I can, uh, I can maybe, let's see if I can do it. Ooh. I can maybe do a drop. Okay. Let's see.
1: There we go. That was a good one. That was a good one. Yeah, my uh, I I sometimes can do it, sometimes can't.
0: Yeah. Oh. oh that worked. Yeah. Perfect. Got, you okay. gotta
1: get that good flick flick yeah. of the finger on the cheek. Ah, huh. there we go. That was good. That was excellent. Okay. <laughs> That's what we should just we should just record ourselves doing that for an hour, <laughs> and sample it. Um, okay. The last word. Uh, it's the word earache. E A R a-c-h-e one word noun from 1766 and all this is this is an ache or a pain in the ear uh, you're kidding you ever, that, I, never, right? I would not have ever guessed that shocking shocking wow huh. have you ever had like a really bad earache no um, have you ever heard the song earache my eye from, I, I think so.
0: Yeah, that's a oh, was it? Cheech and Chong did that. Yes,
1: yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Th- this actually ties well back into Weird Al because um, you know I was already a fan of Al, but then in I think it was Dr. Demento's twentieth anniversary album uh, collection. Of course, Al had a couple of songs on there, and I believe on that album was Cheech and Chong's "Earache My Eye," and oh, that song, that whole it's a song <laughs> and then it's an audio sketch, which is just you know what they were known for. And my friends and I would quote that all the time. It is such a funny song. So if you haven't heard it in a while, I highly recommend checking oh, that one out again.
0: I will go back to that, yes.
1: Yeah, and it starts off with this fantastic rock song too. Oh, um,
0: right, 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 yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, it's a good one. So, you know, this was a very strange episode, uh, not because of my guest, but because of the just the lack of weird uh, of words in this one. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful uh, that you decided to do this. The last thing that I like to do is pick a word of the episode. <laughs> you, ha- you basically have two options. Ear, 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 or earache. Uh, what, what do you mm-hmm. like as the word of the episode here?
0: I think, I think uh, earache is uh, most apropos.
1: I think so too. <laughs> if anyone like made it. it
0: besides us, if they made it an hour and a half into this interview, they certainly have got to be having some you know. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, kid, I, kid, I kid, I kid, I kid. Yeah. Um, Okay, you can absolutely say no, but I also decided that, again to play things by ear. I like to sing a little song about the word of the episode, and oftentimes that's just singing the word itself, and you don't have to add any additional uh, uh, words or anything or lyrics. Would you like to sing a song about the word earache, or um, Oh you can, no, 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 no! Because then I well, totally first fine. off,
0: uh, you know, with the with the sag after a strike. Oh uh, sure. You know, I'm I'm an after ironically. I'm I'm a SAG after member as a singer, which is like the thing that I'm known least for. Uh, that should not be what I do, uh, so, but I'm not allowed to do that. So,
1: that's awesome. Uh, so and which I... is
0: which is good good for you in the audience. You don't want to hear that, believe me.
1: You you get put down in the mix, real low when you're when you're uh, singing. Uh, hopefully, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I I will do it. I won't do a song, but I will just I'll say the one line from that Cheech and Chong, uh earache my eye uh, sketch, which I think he says. Uh, oh, the kid says I got an earache because he doesn't want to go to school, and the dad says earache my eye. How would you like a buttache? <laughs> so that yeah, it's not a song. It's just a yeah, very yeah, no, odd no, phrase. No, no, <laughs> yeah. no. That's I mean that's uh, you know,
0: when you already did the bees, didn't you? You already did buttake Oh yeah, right? yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Oh darn, darn.
1: Yeah, I don't think butt ache was in there. That would be an interesting one. Uh, I'll have to go check. Um, so, you know, the, we, we have reached the end. Um, what what do you want to plug? Where can people find you, uh, find your books? Uh, you know, the one, the other one got sold out. And then just all the music and stuff that you do.
0: Well, everything is pretty much at my uh, website, which is BermudaSchwartz.com. And I've got links to everything there. I've got information on the two books are so right on the front page, uh, and uh, some as people explore around, they'll see some of my other bands are linked in there, and uh, also all the stuff I've done with Al is is listed. And all the uh, all the podcasts I've done and all the different <laughs> countries I've been to with Al touring years and all the you know everything basically about my life in you mm-hmm. know in in the. Uh, music world and uh with these two books and it's all there com. yeah and uh
1: of course if, if people are fans of al uh they should go check out dave and ethan's 2000 and in, 2000 inch weird al podcast which you have guessed it on how countless times i don't know how many times you've been on there
0: that's uh, uh, three or four or five times i've been on there yeah
1: you know, not it's... even including the ones with the where you talk about the book
0: Oh, man, they're, they're unrelentless. It's just, they yeah. want to, they know, want to know everything. Well, who's that guy standing behind Al? You know, who, you can only see half his face. Do you remember who that is? <laughs> right. So, no,
1: I don't remember who, geez. uh <laughs> We, we love those guys. They're, they're pff, fans to, to a whole other level. Um, so uh, you know, again, I, I'm grateful to you for having this very silly conversation. Um, oh, I, I hope you. people uh, learned a bit about you and, and will go check out more. um and any last words before we close up here?
0: Uh, no, I'm good. I've, I've heard, uh,
1: you know, all I need to hear about ears. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, me too. Too many. Uh, well, until next time, uh, this is Spencer dispensing information. Goodbye.